Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. I am Chad Russell. I'm the co-host here with Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries, and this is called Solid Steps Radio. If you're just joining us, we're glad you are. Hopefully you're doing it on purpose. If not, uh, maybe you can catch us back uh, on our uh, other shows that we've done in the past. Uh, Solid Steps Radio is a show for men by men, talking about stuff from a man's perspective. Uh, we have a lot of lady listeners. In fact, Kurt told me a story about a young 20-something waitress at a restaurant says, I love listening to your show, which is hilarious because we, we don't, it's not just for guys, but we just, that's, that's who our main audience is. And uh, so we talk about all types of things uh, in regards to us men and how we tick. Yeah, these these women are listening because they want to figure out what is going on in the brain <laughs> of my man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we talk about all things uh, from a guy's perspective, whether it's being a husband, being a father, being a, uh, a, a, a worker, whether you own a business or you're an employee, um, just all kinds of aspects of, of manhood from God's perspective. And we believe that... Um, that you were made to walk with God and to fulfill your manhood, no matter how rich you are, how poor you are, no matter how popular you are, if you're not walking with God, we don't, you're not fulfilling your destiny of, uh, of your being a man. And uh, so today we're talking about a very, a topic that is, you know, it just makes you uncomfortable in today's times that, uh, you know, you hear the term toxic masculinity thrown around and uh, men are causing a lot of problems in the world. That's the truth of it. Uh, but that didn't just start this past couple few years. In fact, uh, it, it, it reminded me what we're going to talk about today. There was a song in 1966 that came out by James Brown. And it was, It's a Man's Man's World. Actually, three mans. <laughs> it's a Man's 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 World. And I don't know if that song would do as well today, but here's some of the lyrics from that song. It says, This is a man's world. But it would be nothing, nothing without a woman or a girl. You see, man made the cars to take us over the road. Man made the trains to carry heavy loads. Man made the boat for the water like Noah made the ark. This is a man's, man's, man's world. But later on in that song, it says, he's lost in the wilderness. He's lost in bitterness, mm. which I think is pretty telling. And you, we're going to talk today about a man's world from the beginning and how that really wasn't so great at times because we were knuckleheads and we were causing a lot of problems then like we're causing a lot of problems now. So yeah, Chad, it started all in the beginning of the garden. And so we've got a great guy back, uh, Dr. Eric Schonsberg. Welcome back to the show, brother. Good morning. It's great to have you. And uh, this guy, uh, Chad, I, I was... Uh, just to give you a little context, we, Eric and I have been to Africa numerous times. We've done a lot of church leadership and development stuff with pastors, and and uh, and uh, Eric uh, has really deeply studied uh, the Book of Genesis. And so the last time on show show one forty eight yep. is that is that right? Yep. Podcast one forty eight for those of you who wanted to go back and listen to that old episode. That's uh that's on Genesis chapter three, and that's uh, just all about the fall of mankind. And I heard you teach on that, brother, uh, several years ago in Africa. I got that's that's some of the best teaching I've ever heard in the in the book of Genesis. And so now we're gonna kind of pick up from Genesis three, um, but re, uh, you know, living in a man's world because that's that's kind of the thrust of what we're getting in the book of Genesis. Um, but Remind us a little bit of the the knuckleheadedness of Adam and what kind of happened. Yeah, well, we we remember Eve eating the fruit uh, and being tempted by the devil, but what we forget is chapter three, verse six at the end, when it says Adam was 
with her when this was happening. So it's uh, Adam, whatever the first sin was, we know Adam is committing sins of omission. He's not doing what he's supposed to do. He's not intervening uh, in his wife's life appropriately, letting her be tempted, etc. He doesn't say, hey, honey, let's let's uh, talk to him later. Let's go talk to God first. He doesn't get involved. He just stands there like a big dope, door, a dope uh, <laughs> dork, dope, and uh, just lets it happen. So uh, sins of omission are a problem for men a lot of times. Sometimes it's sins of commission, right? We do stupid stuff, but a lot of times it's passivity that gets in our way. And from all the way back to Adam, that's the case. And when you look at the rest of Genesis, uh, there's this recurring theme about men struggling and God working with men. Uh, there's trouble with sibling rivalry. Uh, there's questions about men as husbands and fathers. And uh, mm-hmm. reading Jewish writers on this topic, they make it a, a very big point that you know, if we're going to get to Abraham and God's going to make a nation out of Abraham, if you don't get the family right, you can't get the nation. And so God's got a, a vested interest in making sure the family, the second institution created in the Bible, um, uh, is, 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 is running well so that God can bless people through the nation, the church, etc. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as the family goes, so goes the nation. And as the as the man leads, so goes the family. Yes. So, uh, so Adam, you know, he starts fumbling the ball, you know, in chapter three, and uh, and then we we jump into Genesis chapter four, and uh, it introduced us uh, the first Sybil rivalry yeah. and the and the, the the conflict that's going on here. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is just to catch the sibling rivalry is a big deal throughout Genesis. So it's not just a, a parenting thing. It's can the brothers get along without killing each other? And of course, we learn in Genesis 4, well, ooh, we're not off to a very good start here. They actually do kill each other. So, uh, or the one kills the other. So, uh, you know, one of the, the jokes is, you know, Adam and Eve, when they first leave the garden, the first thing they do is raise Cain. And uh, so that's what happens. And maybe that's where raising Cain comes from, because Cain is a, a, a madman and ends up killing his brother Abel. It's also interesting that you have a sin of omission maybe on the front end. Who names Cain? Uh, Adam continues his passivity. It's Eve who names Cain. The only two action items for Adam in chapter 4 are uh, talks about him sleeping with his wife. So he seems to have sex on his mind, but not much else in chapter 4. We don't read about him intervening with his kids. We don't read about him naming his own children. Uh, He's just uh, concerned about sex, apparently, in chapter 4. So... Uh, Adam isn't, uh, you know, we'd hope for more from from Adam in in chapter (laughs) four that we see. The first guy who's starting things out, yeah, we we would hope that there would be some, uh, a little bit different trajectory of uh, where we're headed here. Um, Make a comment, I I mean, just that whole, uh, you know, even about naming, you know, not being a part of naming Mm -hmm. Cain and all, make just make an application for today. Well, I think first of all, biblically, you know, naming is a big deal. I mean, God steps in and changes the names. God names uh, things from the beginning. Uh, Adam names the animals. So, I mean, naming is a very big deal in the biblical uh, narrative. And so for, for Adam to not be a part of that is a big deal. And so for us today, same sort of thing. I mean, the passivity of men Again, we focus a lot on toxic masculinity, and there's a lot to say there. But, you know, again, a lot of the more subtle sins that all of us commit, but maybe especially men, are these areas of passivity where we're just not involved. I'll leave that to Eve. Uh, you know, I want to put my work in. 
Uh, I want to have sex a couple times in chapter four, but I want to take out the garbage. You know, I'll be a good guy, but you know, we're just not intimately involved as we should be in the lives of our children or the lives of those around us. Yeah, you know, I I, I think for for many guys, I, and myself included. We we think hey 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 I I I didn't I didn't go out and you know do these horrible horrible things and and we hey I I've done I you know I have taken out the garbage and I I haven't slept with a neighbor's wife and I I haven't you know done this that or the other but we really really miss this sin of omission can be in in some ways even more powerful uh, negatively than than even the sins of commission. Right. I mean, we look at chapter three and we say, well, Eve ate the apple and we point fingers at her and we're like, but then we should ask, where was Adam? Chapter four, Cain's going to kill a guy. And I think a lot of people would say, well, I didn't kill anybody. You know, I'm a pretty good guy. Well, again, the question is, where's Adam in all this? And he's, and maybe he does everything he should do, but the narrative doesn't give us that. The narrative portrays Adam as not present. And so that's the question we have to wrestle with. Not that we control everything, not that we can stop the canes in our life from killing people or doing damage, but are we doing what we are called to do in this world, uh, or are we omitting it in passivity? Yeah, and so if that's truly, yeah, there's there's some things that we don't, there's, we don't get the full, full picture, you know, but Cain then does kill his brother. Uh, to talk about that. Yeah, so Genesis 4, I mean, it's a, it's a rough story. I mean, Cain gets angry. Uh, God come. Uh, he, he they offer sacrifices for reasons that are you know not worth getting into uh, here. Uh, God f- finds Abel's sacrifice more pleasing. Calls Cain on the carpet for that, and Cain instead of repenting or saying, "Hey, what could I do better?" or you know changing, he's, he just starts blaming people. He gets angry, uh, and he ends up killing his own brother. You know, one of the really sobering things is the first person with a belly button is a killer, you know, in, in the book of Genesis. So it tells us, wow, we are, you know, capable of uh, some really rough stuff. And for Cain to kill his own brother, false pretenses over, you know, Abel doesn't do anything to him. It's not like he irritates him or, you know, or takes his stuff or does him any wrong. Abel's just doing his thing, uh, worshiping God. And then, you know, Cain doesn't like it and kills him. So it's a, it's a brutal sin. Wow. And because uh, we're going to continue to talk about this, you know, this man's world in the book of Genesis and continue to kind of unpack because this is not just the first story. Then there's there's more to come as we look at Genesis. So we've been causing problems from the beginning, men have, and we're going to see about how how the flow of that goes through the, the narrative in Genesis. But also there's we are also causing the most problems. We're also can have the most effect in a positive manner as well. And we see that coming up here with another guy in Genesis who makes his uh, makes his entrance later on. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back. To the second segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you missed the first segment, sorry about that, but you can check it out on our podcast on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just go into the search window and type Solid Steps Radio, and you'll be able to hear those shows in their entirety. Thanks to great sponsors like Ellen and Credit Union. 
we're talking about bad men today, but there are no bad men over in Ellen and Credit Union. They want men, great men and women who take care of your financial needs. They are a overall holistic place. They want to take care of your finances, your commercial business, your credit cards, your checking, savings, whatever you need. Ellen and Credit Union, a local establishment in here for decades, and they want to take care of you. And Vision First Eye Care. Some great men and women over there who like to take care of your vision. If you have eye problems, sight problems, anything related to vision, they will take care of you. Rod Rollo and his crew at location near you, I guarantee, throw a rock and hit a vision first. So we thank those folks for sponsoring our show. Okay, so Eric. Okay, we've got this whole, you know, we see Adam, you know, the sin of omission. Then you see Cain, and he's... (laughs) He's completely (laughs) a knucklehead. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, but but Genesis continues on this this uh, this man you know, living in this man's world yep. and what's what's beginning to happen. Yeah. So we a lot of times we quit thinking about Genesis for a while once we get to chapter four, verse sixteen. Cain exits stage right and uh, goes out and makes his way. And there's about a chapter and a half of uh, miscellaneous stuff, and then and then we get to Noah. But the, the miscellaneous stuff has some interesting details as well. So. We learn about some of the the, the uh, uh, generations between uh, Adam and Noah, and there's a lot. There's some good stuff going on there, but there's a lot of crazy stuff too. So there's a man named Lamech in chapter four, and he's the first polygamist, and he's very excited about that. So he's bragging about that. He kills a guy. He's very excited about that. So uh, those are the sort of things we read in the scriptures. There is a good man named Enoch in chapter five, uh, and uh, he's he's uh, whisked away to heaven. Uh, so he's a, a righteous man who who walks with God, uh, but there and there's other good stuff. I mean, they uh, the guys invent stuff. They you know they have bronze and iron, and they they get into the culture. They're even cultured guys. I guess they would have listened to the opera or something back then. But they had harp and lyre, and that's <laughs> yeah, so not all. You know, uh, there's there's something some good stuff there. Uh, but then you get to the Nephilim. You know, probably the strangest passage in Scripture, and. Uh, not even sure exactly what's going on there, except that it keeps talking about stuff like heroes and men of renown. And so again, you get this picture of a man's world. It's accomplishments. Uh, there's there's beautiful women. There's uh, apparently military victories. Uh, it's just kind of the stuff guys are typically in- interested in, in a secular sense, right? You're creating st- uh, the best part of this is you're making new inventions and you're creating stuff, and that's all fine, but it's still worldly at the end of the day. Uh, and really, only Enoch uh, stands out as this, uh, you know, diamond in the rough. Uh, before we get to the time of Noah, uh, and when the Nephilim uh, passage is over, the very next verse we read is in Genesis six five, and uh, that's arguably the darkest verse in Scripture. It says the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. That sounds like a really bad rock station. <laughs> Only evil all the time. And it's just like, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some hyperbole in there. We do read about Noah showing up. So, you know, there's a little bit of good stuff going on. But that, that's a rough place to be, man. Only evil all the time. Every inclination of every thought. And that's what a man's world gets you at the end of it. When, when people pursue the desires of their heart, when they take advantage of people, when might makes right, yeah, we might invent a few things. We got the occasional righteous guy, but I think the scriptures are telling us when we just when we pursue the kind of things that uh, you know to- toxic masculinity. Where does that take you ultimately? It's it's a, a huge mess. 
It's, and not only is it a huge mess, but now you are, <clears throat> you are setting up for generations to come of this, you know, kind of we're multiplying unrighteousness. I remember uh, hearing Patrick Morley, Dr. Patrick Morley years ago, <clears throat> he said that nine out of 10 men in our churches today do not have a biblical worldview. I'm like, oh my goodness, what does that mean? Nine out of 10 men do not have a biblical worldview in our churches, you know, across the country. And really what he was saying was they're not, they're not living out the Bible, they're not teaching the Bible. In fact, they're even multiplying unrighteousness, a, a, a crazy worldview that they're passing on for generations to come. And that's really what's, in, in, at least in part, what's happening in the book of Genesis. Right. And it's hard to imagine how you recover from that. And so God's answer to that is to find Noah who is a righteous, blameless man, and to basically say, hey, we're going to start over here, right? So the famous flood narrative happens here, and God says, well, this, this is not working real well. Uh, I'm going to wipe the slate clean and start over with Noah. And so we have the famous passage where you know, he builds the ark, and there's many chapters that talk about the, the building of the ark and the flood account, and um, you know, basically this opportunity for Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives to start fresh after the flood in, in Genesis 6 through 9. What, um, from your perspective, and I know the scriptures don't, you know, give all the details, but as Noah is building this massive ark, um, we're, we're talking, what, what, football and a half, football field and a half long? <laughs> this is massive. Um, what 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 are the other men around uh, Noah doing and thinking from you know just from your perspective? Well, I think you know they're probably imagining he's crazy. You know, one of the things we'd like to know is what what kind of conversations were there? You know, was he simply a lunatic? Was he you know were they putting graffiti on his boat? Were they you know stealing his tools? Were they just ignoring him because they thought he was a lunatic? Uh, you know, we don't know. Our hope would be that he would be influencing the culture around him. Uh, we don't have any record of that. We do know in Second um, Peter that he was a preacher of righteousness, so he was at least preaching at them. Uh, but at the end of the day, he doesn't seem to influence the people around him. Uh, he's able to impact his family, which is valuable. Uh, he builds the boat, he gets out, and he's able to escape the mess and allow God to start over with this clean start. But uh, we're not sure exactly how he interacts, except that it, he doesn't seem to make a, a difference. The world has gone so far south, or he's not particularly interested in making a difference in the peop- in the lives of the people around him. And at the end of it, uh, it's just him and his family that make the escape. Yeah, I mean, he, the, he either wasn't effective, or you know, uh, he he maybe he didn't even fully care. We don't really know for right. sure, um, but at least he saved his family. Yes, and that's something. You know, I think if we look at, you know, again, as we'll talk about with Abraham as we we get through the end of the the, uh, the show today, you know, God wants more than what Noah brings to the table. No, you know, he wants us to be righteous and blameless. He wants us to have this impact on our family. But at the end of it, God wants more than that. He wants to affect the nations. And it's going to be through Abraham that that takes place. For whatever reason, Noah's not able to accomplish that whether it's a willingness or an ability or 
whatever. And so, yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's laudable that Noah lives this righteous, blameless life. But we should always keep in mind, okay, look, I'm not Cain. I didn't kill anybody. Okay, that's check. You know, check. Thank you very much. Okay, you're Noah. You're righteous. You're blameless. Okay, again, that's uh, I've impacted my family. Okay, that's that's good. Appreciate that. But really, God is aiming for the for the Abraham effect. He wants us to be a blessing to all people. Uh, and Noah, at the end of the day, doesn't accomplish that. Yeah, I mean, when when you were saying that, I was immediately going to the words of Jesus, some of his very last words, when he said, "Go into all the world." And preach the gospel. You know that that that's our job. It's not just he. Yes, he wants us to influence our families, but there's more. Yeah, this is where the Jewish writers I think are very helpful because I think for for Christians, you know, how do we treat the Old Testament? Well, for one thing, it's something that's usually taught up through maybe sixth or seventh or eighth grade or something, and then you just have this roster of Old Testament heroes. And they're really kind of interchangeable, I think, from our perspective. And so guys like Noah and Abraham and and Joseph and Moses and Daniel, they're all just kind of this parade of heroes and we kind of take from them the lessons that we hope our kids will learn and we teach those things. But in a Jewish perspective, uh, Abraham is far greater than Noah. And then you start thinking about that, well, of, of course, I mean, they're descended from Abraham, it's, that's where the, the calling for their nation comes from, but they don't look at it as kind of this interchangeable group of Old Testament heroes. They have like big time heroes like Abraham, uh, they actually value Judah over Joseph, which is probably a different show. Well, t- uh, I know that's a different show. We'll talk about th- that some other time. But or, or Moses, right? And then the prophets. So, you know, when they look at Noah and Abraham, they they compare those guys like apples and rocks. They don't see them on the same uh, the same list. And I think it's to this point that the Jewish nation was called to make a difference, and uh, that ca- that happens through Abraham. It does not happen through Noah. Okay, so Noah, uh, the, the whole flood, and we're not going to get into mm-hmm. all the details of the flood, but that is a, a fascinating, real story that really happened. Um, so and then, one, and go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, Noah's known for one sin at the end where he's drunk and his, uh, one of his sons comes in and kind of exploits that moment, and the other sons try to recover for him. Uh, and, and that's not a good sign either. I mean, if we're looking for good family relationships, you know, one of your sons, you know, embarrassing you while you're drunk on the ground is not, not a good thing. And so we're back to kind of concerns about the family and concerns about Noah as a father. Uh, but there's a little known sin that we'll talk about in the next segment. In the next segment. Yeah. Well, there's a sin actually before he gets drunk. Yeah, that no one knows about. So if you want to win a Bible trivia contest with all your buddies, come back to the next segment and we'll describe Noah's first sin that uh, actually is a much bigger deal. So we're going to come back in our next segment and uh, I already know the answer to that question because he asked us last time we were here, but it's just another small, it's such a small detail, but it's also a big problem. And uh, we'll talk more about that in our next segment on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment today of Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you can join and listen to the rest of the segments. If you're just catching it, you can hear the other two segments on our podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes. Go to Facebook and just type in Solid Steps Radio. 
And uh, we're talking today about the problems of men. And uh, one of the problems of men, if you uh, have a septic system that's not working well, you have a big problem and you need to call Frank Enterprises. Those are some guys who can take care of your problem, not cause you a problem when it comes to septic repair. Uh, so Frank Enterprises, you go to Frank Enterprises, Frank's, frankseptikrepair.com. And uh, go check them out, and they can help you out with any of your septic or water drainage issues outside. And also, Bright Star Home Care. They are a group of individuals that want to help you walk you through a very difficult time in life. If you've got a loved one that you need to care for, whether it's one day a week or 24-7, Bright Star Home Care walks through that process with you. And also, we want to remind folks of Country Lake Christian Retreat Center. Uh, If you uh, want to look for a retreat or a uh, a summer camp that you can take your child to uh, or want to take your organization to. Country Lake Christian Retreat Center is a sponsor of our show, and they have some great programs going on there, out there all spring and summer. Okay, so Eric, we, we go back to Noah. And, uh, you know, of course, he, he, he did a lot of good things, uh, and he saves his family, but the rest of the earth is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's... Uh, uh, we, 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 many of us are familiar that he gets off of the, the ark, off the boat, and for whatever reason, he, he gets drunk, and, and it's just kind of a, and we'll get to that story mm-hmm. in a moment. But there's actually, there's a, a f- kind of a first sin that he fumbles the ball on. That's quite significant, but we m- many times overlook it. Yeah, it's really obscure. And first of all, I have to give credit to Leon Cass, who has a terrific book, uh, called The Beginning of Wisdom. He was a University of Chicago philosopher, uh, professor, and taught uh, Genesis for 30 years at Chicago as a great books course. And this, uh, he has a 700-page commentary. I know that's uh, daunting, but I mean, if you want, if you're ever teaching, preaching on Genesis, you, you have to have that book. I cannot emphasize that enough. It is incredible. And, and this is where I got this insight from. But he observes, going back to this idea of a man's world, that it's a man's world getting that God is looking to have Noah escape and have this fresh start. So if you look at Genesis 6:18, he says, when you get on the ark, go on the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wives. In other words, men first. It's a man's world, and you get on the ark, men first. You, your sons, your wife, your son's wives. They do that. Then you go to Genesis 8:16, and God says to Noah, get off the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives. In other words, the wife is supposed to come before the sons. He changes the order from Genesis 6, men first, and it was a man's world, but it's as if God's saying, I want it to be different when we come off the ark. I want your wife to be prioritized over your sons. In this world, men are emphasized, have been emphasized, but from here on out, you're to emphasize your wife over the sons, go countercultural with what uh, a man's world would look like. So it's supposed to be you and your wife. Two verses later, chapter 8, verse 18, hmm. how does Noah get off the boat? Him, his sons, his wife, his sons' wives. He has this direct order to get off the boat in a certain order, and he fails. And Leon Cass says, basically, we already know this is screwed up. This is not going to work. And he, Noah can't follow this basic instruction. One of the ironies here is we, we talk about the <laughs> obedience and faithfulness of Noah, but he can't even get off the boat right. <laughs> and so we know that this is not going to work. I mean, we've got the fresh he, start. He, he, didn't, he didn't learn. Okay, the, the whole earth has been destroyed. And he, he didn't learn that God's trying to change the narrative. God yep. is trying to shift 
the focus here of, hey, but he doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And he gets off the boat wrong. <laughs> and we're like, okay, that's not going to work. So the careful reader knows, you know, I don't know it's going to be Abraham, but it, it ain't going to be Noah. Noah is not the answer to this problem. Well, and, and then he, he gets off of the boat in the wrong order that God says to get off the boat. And then he proceeds to go make some wine and... Uh, Eventually. That's, uh, you know, yeah, there's uh, sacrifices. Yeah, uh, there's other parts to his story. Uh, and, and so there's other problems with Noah. But, you know, if we're going with this man's world thing, Noah doesn't get it. Um, comment then on, you know, fast forward to the time of he gets drunk mm-hmm. um, and kind of what happens with his boys. Well, the, uh, Ham, uh, you know, basically gets excited that his dad's drunk. Now, that's, that's weird, too. What, what kind of relationship did they have where, you know, he disrespected his father that much to, to want to flaunt dad's mistake to the world and da- uh, his dad's nakedness? The other two sons have a more sober response and, and uh, appropriate response to basically protect their dad's dignity. Uh, so that that's the good news of the story, but yeah, the the son Ham is uh, a mess, uh, and we're left to infer why he wants to do that. I mean, it's you know to disrespect his father in that way is not a good sign, certainly for for Ham, and not a good sign of what Noah's done as a dad. So Eric, you you've pointed out to me that um, God wants to start over. Yep. Let's let's. A clean slate. Noah's a righteous guy. We're going to start over. We're going to get. We're going to get out of this rut that we've been in. Of of every inclination of of every man's heart is evil, and so we're going to start afresh. Um, but Noah obviously is 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 not going to be the guy that's going to launch us into righteousness. So then God has to you know kind of fast forward even you know more to. Genesis chapter 12, God has chosen another man. Yeah, and the Jewish writers, again, I think are more in tune with this because they understand the importance of Abraham and don't overestimate the importance of Noah. So here's a great quote, I think, from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who talks about this. And he says, you know, you know, pointing to Noah and his, you know, what he describes as silent obedience or rel- relatively quiet obedience, that's not going to be enough. And Sachs says, God seeks from us something other and greater than obedience, namely responsibility. The hero of faith was not Noah, but Abraham. And if you think about some of the things Abraham did, we'll talk about a different day. But he went to war. He fought for his nephew Lot. Uh, He prayed for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah when, when God wanted to destroy them. I mean, it's interesting to think about the character of Abraham if he had been in Noah's position. And presumably he would have argued with God and said more, you know, all we get from Noah is this kind of quiet obedience. Yes, God, I will build a boat. But that's not Abraham's style, as we'll talk about some other time. Abraham wants to save the world, uh, where Noah is mostly interested in escaping. So Sachs says, what might an Abraham have said when confronted with the possibility of a flood? Abraham might have saved the world. Noah saved only himself and his family. Abraham might have failed, but Noah, at least on the evidence of the text, did not even try. Noah's end, drunk, disheveled, an embarrassment to his children, eloquently tells us that if you save yourself while doing nothing to save the world, it's not enough. And so you look at Noah and you go, yeah, righteous, blameless, but at the end of the day, he doesn't get it in terms of where God's trying to take things. And he ends up 
drunk. His sons don't, at least one of his sons doesn't respect him. Uh, and, And the scriptures are telling us that's not enough. That's not all that God hopes for us and wants from us. So when God uh, now says, "Okay, there's there's this guy we you know we know him as Abraham, but be, before Abraham, he his, his real name was Abram, and and God calls him um, to to uh, to a new nation, mm-hmm. to a new land, and to 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 create a new nation." Um, Describe to our listeners the, the, even the call of Abraham. Yeah, on the one hand, Abram is an extraordinary man. I mean, we'll talk about in the next segment the particulars of Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and the calling that he receives and how difficult it was for him to follow that. So at one level, Abraham's extraordinary, but in another way, he's just an average guy. He's just a guy that uh, is like you and I. He's not the morally pure, blameless, righteous you know, guy that Noah seems to be this, the, the, the pure painting we get of the early Noah. He's a man that's got warts as a, as a bit of a mess. He's going to make all kinds of mistakes. And he's like you and me in that way. And he's, he's, so he's both the extraordinary man who's ordinary. And he's, I think, ultimately the sort of guy that we can relate to and the sort of man that God wants us to be. He wants us to step out in faith. He's going to work with us despite our flaws uh, Abraham doesn't treat his wife very well, especially early on. Uh, he's not involved as a father, gets called to that. He makes mistakes. But yet at the end of it, you know, he's walking with God, he's progressing in his faith, and he's making a difference in this world. And I think that's the thing we're called to. Uh, Noah's escapism and, and moral righteousness is a nice step. It's certainly better than Cain. But at the end of the day, we're called to be Abraham. We're called to walk in faith, to walk with God and to make a difference in this world. Yeah, so um, when, and when, when God calls him, I think it's interesting in the text that he, he calls Abraham, uh, you, know, at the, at, you know, Abram at the time, he calls him away from his family mm-hmm. and move, to move a significant distance to a new, to what we know now as the, the Holy Land. Yep. I mean, it's, it's important in, the, in these callings to recognize that God always calls us from something to something else. And a lot of times we get stuck on the calling from something. You leave your life of sin. Okay, great. Now what? It's, it, you're not just called to quit doing stuff. Mm-hmm. You're called to do great things. And God wants those things from us. When Paul talks about the old man, there's a new man's behaviors that replace that. And again, a lot of times we kind of settle for the low bar of not being a murderer, the low bar of taking out the trash, the low bar of kind of staying out of trouble, uh, more like the Noah uh, that we've just talked about. But again, God wants something far greater than that from from us and for us. Mm. So in the next segment, we're going to talk more about being a blessing and how Abraham was not just the guy who stayed dry like Noah did, right? He stayed dry. He didn't get into the flood, but Abraham wanted to do even more. And uh, we're going to take a break, come back in our next and final segment, talk more about uh, this masculinity problem, but also masculinity solution that God can use us with. We'll take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back 
to Solid Steps Radio, our fourth and final segment. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors, Dan Hart Financial. If you are interested in um, having a retirement, which you should be, <laughs> because if you think your money is going to last for a few more decades, you need to talk to somebody who's got some wisdom. And Dan Hart likes to sit down and give people wisdom about to be wise with their finances and for the long haul. Uh, and we also want to thank the uh, the Christian Advantage. They are having their fourth annual business and ministry conference conference coming up on March the 28th or 6th. Uh, I think it's the 26th. And so uh, if you go to the Christian, ChristianAdvantage.com, the ChristianAdvantage.com, you can get more information about the fourth annual business and ministry luncheon. And, uh, and we wanted to thank LNN Credit Union one more time. We just really appreciate those guys yep. and uh, Chris Brown and his whole, his whole gang. So, uh, so Eric, we, um, we, we get to Abraham and you know, especially in the in the Jewish culture, they would say he's far superior to Noah. Yeah. Know, Noah's a good Noah's a good dude, but God calls him in, in Genesis chapter twelve. God, you know, reaches out to to Abram and begins the call on his life. Yeah, if you read one through three of chapter twelve, as we're formally introduced to Abram, I mean, you can just tell it's a game changer. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, go to the land I will show you. And that's tough. We've already alluded to that. But here's the kicker. Verses two and three, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so, yeah, the Jewish identity uh, comes through Abraham. It comes through them being a nation, a nation who is built to bless other people. And so Abraham is a top, top two guy for them because it establishes their identity as a special people who have this special mission to change the world, basically. Yeah, I mean, we talked in the break of, about the, just the power of how God wants to take Abraham and use him to bless and touch other people, not just a few other people, but nations. And really how as Christians, as followers of Christ, God longs to use us, not just, yes, start in our family, but then outside of our family. Uh, comment on that, Eric. Yeah, I, I like what Chad said just before the break about how Noah stayed dry. And my reply to that was, yeah, no, and then Abraham gets his hands dirty. I mean, you don't look at Abraham and go, that guy stayed dry. No, that guy, that guy was a mess, and, and, but got his hands dirty and grew and on and on. And so the goal of the Christian life is not to stay dry. I mean, yeah, you want to stay dry. That's a goal of the Christian life. But uh, the bigger thing is making a difference in this world and God, through his Holy Spirit, empowering you. you know, Jesus didn't just pop down here and get on a cross and rise again and then leave. I mean, he ministered to people. Uh, he was here for 30 years. He built into to disciples and this whole disciple-making model. Uh, he did ministry, got his hands dirty in human affairs. And so, you know, the, our model is not Noah. Our model is Abraham. Our model is Jesus in terms of making a difference in, in this world. Um, when Jesus, at the end of his life, right before the cross, he prays the longest recorded prayer in the Gospels, John chapter 17, and he says, Father, I have completed the work you gave me to do. 
And it wasn't I stayed out of trouble. It was that, but it was so much more than that. Right. I, I have poured out my life influencing others. Yep. I think so often when people become Christians or they imagine the Christian life, they, they think about the staying dry part of it. They think about the leaving part of Abram's commission, leave Babylon, leave the pagan culture behind. But when you look at the book of Acts, for example, Peter uh, calls people out of this corrupt generation and calls them then into a new community. And so people imagine that they're going to live the Lone Ranger Christian life. You know, they're going to be a believer and then they're just going to do it in their closet and their home. And it's not going to make a difference in their, their public life. Uh, that's not the call of, of uh, the scriptures from Genesis forward is that you're called to leave something. You're called to go to something else. You're called to leave uh, the world system and then join you know, a community of faith is not and and live this thing out in community we're called to leave behind the old man and its behaviors and embrace the new man and its behaviors and so so often we have a truncated gospel where we pick up the first half and we leave out longest second half uh, talk about I, I talk to the the listener right now who goes yeah but i i, I didn't go to seminary I mean, I didn't. I didn't go to Bible college, you know, to to make a difference. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not getting drunk like Noah, and I'm I'm not doing this, that, and the other. But I, I, I'm not. I've been fully trained, you know. I talk to that that person. Well, uh, you can get trained, you know. I mean, I'm. I didn't go to seminary either. Chad, you go to seminary? No, sir. No, uh, I don't think that's a requirement. I mean, if you look at the disciples, Acts four thirteen, they. Ordinary unschooled men, but they've been jumping with Jesus. Stephen, and we're, we're studying Acts in my Sunday night uh, college age study, and uh, Stephen's just some lay guy. And then he ends up, you know, having this wonderful run through of uh, Jewish history in Acts 7, the longest uh, sermon in Acts 7, and then is martyred for his faith. That, that guy didn't go to seminary. So, you know, that's an excuse. I mean, you. You slowly grow in your faith. You grow in your in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Savior, uh, Savior Jesus Christ, and uh, you just start put one foot in front of the other. God can do great things through you. If you look at uh, the the history of Scripture, the history of uh, of Christian history, uh, it's filled with you know average people uh, who are just available to God. And again, that's where Abraham is so inspiring. He's, he's a great man in one way, but he's a great man because he walks in faith, uh, not because he's some special guy to begin with. He's special in that he follows God and makes himself available. Um, for years, you and I have used a little acronym. I think we got it from, uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks. You know, we really just need to be fat Christians. And uh, we, we kind of say, we, we just need fatter Christians. We, you know, and people look at us like, oh, my goodness, what he, what's he talking about? And, and really, the, it's, it's fat. F is faithful. Uh, a is available. T is teachable. And then you kick in an R to kind of make it fatter. <laughs> and that's uh, reliable. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what God calls us. Because I love that about Abraham. Abraham was not perfect. I mean, he... he he, uh, you know, fumbles a, fumbles a ball a little bit here, um, but his his it was progressively walking with God, yep. and he 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 builds on that. Yep. Or even think about the you know the DC curriculum that we developed. I mean, half of the guys that went through that and and women were already disciples, maybe even disciple makers, and DC sharpened them. 
But half the time, it was guys that were going from Noah to Abraham. It was guys that were making this transition from you know, nice people, handing out bulletins, staying out of trouble, to actually making a profound difference in the life uh, of those around them because they got empowered. So there's opportunities to do that, to get empowered. And so quit making excuses and start walking. Yeah, we, we in, the, in this country, we have more Christian resources, more books, more tapes, more videos, more blogs, more... Uh, you, radio shows. <laughs> more radio shows um, than ever in the history of Christendom. And so we just need to make, uh, you know, jump in to the, the, the resources that are out there that can help us, encourage us, train us, equip us, prepare us to be difference makers. Mm-hmm. That's what God's called us yeah. to be. I think if we you know, look at some applications for today, you know, one would be what what is God wanting you to leave? You know, what is and, and for some of you, if you're not a Christian today, then the first thing you need to worry about leaving is your life of sin. Uh, leave that behind. Give your life to Jesus. Uh, depend on him for his grace and it's mercy, but others are in a spot where there's kind of wilderness Christians. They've been kind of wandering around and uh, not living a life of particular joy or influence. And there's things you're called to live, leave behind. I mean, maybe it's, you know, you're addicted to the TV or you watch, uh, you're, you know, you're addicted to politics or, you know, things that are somewhere between okay and distracting and a problem for you. Drop those things, leave them behind, but don't just quit doing stuff. Go to something else. And uh, the call to Abraham is to leave something and to go to something greater. And are you really doing the best things with your life? Good's fine, but best is better. And and don't settle for uh, the good. And certainly don't settle for mediocre or bad. Put those things aside and go for the best that God has in store for you. Yeah, there's good, there's better, and there's best. And God calls us to best. Eric, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Would you pray for us, guys, that we would live out that? Yeah. Pray, please. Lord, thank you for uh, this opportunity. Uh, We thank you for the chance to be reminded about sins of omission and commission. And uh, we just pray that we would be attentive to that, that you would convict us. Uh, We pray that we would uh, make a difference in the lives of those around us, that we wouldn't just settle for staying out of trouble. Uh, like Noah, we do want to stay dry, and we, we pray for your help in that. But like Abraham, we want to get our hands dirty. We want to walk with you faithfully. We want to leave things behind and go to something greater, and we want to make a difference in this world. Uh, Lord, we pray for that. Uh, we pray for your wisdom and courage in making those steps, and we pray that those around us, uh, we would enable them to, have, to be able to speak to us uh, to, to, in community to make uh, the kind of difference we seek to do as we walk with you. Lord, we thank, thank you for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you, bro. You know, this reminded me of a quote uh, I saw Dallas Willard, who was the head of philosophy at USC for years, and uh, he said he was talking to a group of businessmen, and the the topic it came up, he said, I always have a business major come through my class, and I, I would always ask this question, what's the purpose of business? He said, and ultimately, it would get to the answer of profit. That's the the answer or the reason for business. And he would respond to them by saying, is that what you're gonna tell your customers? <laughs> Meaning, I exist so I can profit from you. Well, that sounds a little bit like Noah. It was good, but there's more to this. And that really the purpose of a business is to benefit anyone around it who touches it. And so that sounds a lot like our faith. Are we gonna be Noah's who stay dry, or are we gonna be the Abraham's who get our hands dirty, as 
Schonsberg uh, just mentioned, that we need to go out and be a blessing to the people around us, men. Not be a detriment, but a blessing. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Pass it along to somebody else who could be listening and enjoying it as well. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.